Welcome to the Africa Energy and Climate Podcast. My name is Victor Mallet, and I'll be bringing you stories, voices, and insights from the African continent on issues of energy and climate. In our last episode, we were talking to you from COP26 in Glasgow, where we had some great conversations with folks like Abdurashid Tunde Omidia, uh, an African energy advisor who gave us his views of the, the three E's uh, that are critical for balance in Africa, energy, environment, and economy. We also spoke with Chibuna Ogbona and Dismus Kisilu, two young entrepreneurs uh, from Nigeria and Kenya, respectively, whose companies are active in the commercial solar space and cold storage as a service space. Very innovative companies. Now, the outcome of COP, as we've all heard probably by now, was that progress was indeed made, but not enough to meet the actual goal of COP, which was to have nations agree to measures that would limit climate warming to 1.5 Celsius by the end of the century. There were a few significant and some political commitments made that are worth mentioning. The first being the pledge to reduce the emissions of methane, a very powerful greenhouse gas, by 30% by 2030. A major source of emissions of methane is from fracking, where some of the methane being extracted escapes into the atmosphere. It's unclear how this methane pledge will affect Africa, but very likely nations that are producers of natural gas, such as Nigeria, Angola, uh, Mozambique in the future, will have to put in place measures to capture any form of escape gas. Now, the second pledge, which is also monumental, uh, if it can be effectively actioned, is the pledge by over 100 world leaders to end deforestation by 2030. Some of the countries that agreed to this are Russia, Canada, Brazil, China, Indonesia, and the Democratic Republic of Congo, which together represent over 85% of the world's forests. How will they do this? Well, apparently there is a fund of about $19 billion of public and private funds that will go to developing countries to restore damaged land, tackle wildfires, and support indigenous communities. A separate, almost $2 billion fund will be established to protect the world's second largest rainforest in the Congo Basin. So all that's good news, but it will remain to be seen how and whether this plan can be properly implemented. Now, apart from these rare bright spots in terms of commitments, there were some big gaps that were left. In the final COP26 pledge, the original phrase, phase out of coal, was replaced by phase down at the urging of certain countries such as India that are still heavy coal users. Now, many people saw that as a cop out, so to speak, from frankly declaring the end of the coal industry and thought COP should have done better in that front. Secondly, a commitment from the 2015 Paris COP for developing nations to have a fund of $100 billion created for them to aid in the transition out of carbon-intensive economy was not necessarily recommitted to. However, the one African country that came out with something very concrete and potentially game-changing was South Africa, Africa's largest economy and the largest emitter of greenhouse gases on the continent. Indeed, South Africa is the 12th largest emitter of greenhouse gases in the world. South Africa was able to announce that it had received commitments of up to $8.5 billion from the US, the UK, the EU, France and Germany 
to help it accelerate away from its primarily coal-powered sector to a more renewable sector in what people are calling a just energy transition. So South Africa came out a big winner among all the African countries so far. Namibia was also a good feature at COP26. Namibia has outlined a massive plan to get into the green hydrogen business uh, using primarily renewable electricity to create green hydrogen. It remains to be seen how that will translate into reality in terms of the commercials, uh, commercial aspects of this, of this sector. But Namibia clearly had a game plan when it came to COP and executed on it by presenting to various DFIs and banks. All in all, COP26 was almost bound to fail. The expectations were far too high. I mean, any agreement that requires 200 countries to agree to every single word in a document before it can be accepted is utopian, idealistic. So apart from those well-organized countries such as Namibia and South Africa, which came with a specific game plan, commercial offerings that can contribute to reducing greenhouse gas emissions, apart from those, all other African countries came and went home empty-handed. In our view here at the Africa Energy and Climate Change Podcast, as long as there's no active, continued and cohesive pressure from a massive block of African countries, the status quo will remain. This COP has shown that where African governments may be inadequately motivated to achieve change, it may be rather business interests and civil society groups that are aligned with aggressive climate change targets that have the best hope of obtaining the resource required from the global north to fight the specter of global warming, droughts, floods, typhoons, and hurricanes. Governments are ill-equipped and not courageous enough to make the kinds of commitments required. So it falls back to organized groups of individuals and business interests that can find novel and innovative ways to make the leap required. But we want to hear from you, our audience, and we would really like to hear your perspective on number one, COP26. Was it just a massive failure? Number two, why do you think African countries came away with so little? And lastly, in your country, what do you think are some of the best ways to pressure your government to set and plan for achieving a decarbonized economy? We want to hear your thoughts, your perspectives and ideas. Please find us on LinkedIn, Africa Energy and Climate Change Podcast, and post your questions and comments to us. We'll read each one of them and address them in a future podcast. Thanks very much again for listening. We look forward to seeing you on our next episode where we'll be speaking with Chris Yelland, a South African energy analyst who will tell us all about the state of power in Africa's largest economy. We look forward to seeing you there. Join us. Oh, oh, oh.